As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is The Fed Decides on Bloomberg Television, on Bloomberg Radio. Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrelis, Abram West, John, off today. And really, I've got to just go straight to the markets. What the, what the Fed said is we don't have any decisions about any further uh, rate hikes. What the market heard is you're done. And you could see a rally in bonds. You're seeing a rally in stocks. Tom, that caught my attention at a time when the Fed is trying to parse through nuance and the market only hears one thing. The moves are so correlated and so abrupt, including oil, West Texas Intermediate, almost getting down to a 79 handle, which the chairman alluded to in the final question on the war in the eastern Mediterranean. But in the bond market, Lisa, what's so important here is these moves are so large, I have to go to a standard deviation analysis. Conventional financial TV doesn't capture the magnitude of the vote you're seeing. David Rosenberg, always brilliant out of Toronto, making clear this is a Fed that is done, and yet the singular point was Leisman of CNBC and McKee of Bloomberg, where he stopped in the middle of his conversation to say, we stand ready to be hawkish against this entire arc of we're done. Cue whether or not they've lost some credibility because he could say we're prepared to hike again. We've made no decisions. We're going to have a consensus on the Federal Reserve. The market, again, really is starting to price out further rate hikes more materially. I will just say this in terms of whether the market is doing the work for them. He speculated that it was really persistent changes in financial conditions and it's too soon to say everything was hedged. Everything was going back to the notes. Everything was very rote. He did uh, as much as he could, as little as possible. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that. And I like the idea that everything was hedged in the sense of we didn't hear data dependency much, which surprised me. I thought we'd say, okay, the jobs report, maybe we finally see a crack in an economy coming off 4.x percent real GDP. I, I think that that this was taken by the markets, which is really what I would focus on. The Dow up 250 points, 1.6% move. NASDAQ at 117 basis points of soft landing in the 10-year yield. The market is speaking volumes. They loved what they heard. And this is going to, of course, be due to revision with time. And we've known that the knee-jerk reaction is not always the one that sticks. But, Tom, to me, the fact that the market is jumping on this and that earlier in the day you saw yields tick lower because of their funding announcement, then even lower, particularly on the long end, after economic data that came in weaker than expected. And then Chair Powell coming in and pushing them that much further lower as people expect them to be done. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, to say the least. We'll continue to monitor the markets, and we have a stellar group of people to drive the conversation forward. Let's drive the conversation forward right now, almost quoting off Star Wars. He was very far, very far away. A question from uh, Michael McKee. Let us listen to the chairman here on what is out there. We're going meeting by meeting. We're asking ourselves whether we've achieved a stance of policy that is sufficiently restrictive. 
to bring inflation down to 2% over time. That's the question we're asking. We're looking at the full range of economic data, including financial conditions and all of those things that we look at. And then we're, we're you know, we've, 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 we've come very far with this rate hiking cycle, very far. Who nailed this? The very far of it was William Dudley out of Berkeley for years, of course, at Goldman Sachs and the former New York Federal Reserve president. Huge value at Bloomberg Economics and a senior advisor in economics for all of Bloomberg. Bill Dudley, you and I were in the lofty, cool climbs of Marrakesh a few weeks ago. Is the international community confronted a unique American experiment, a dynamic fiscal inducement, a fiscal stimulus to where we are now. Your essay in the last two hours for Bloomberg makes clear you have immense concern that the Fed, given the cards dealt, could get this wrong. What did the chairman not address in this press conference? I think that he's quite confident that policy is restrictive enough to slow the economy down. And I think the fact that we just had a growth quarter of nearly 5% uh, calls that a bit into question. Also, the notion that financial conditions are truly tight to slow, enough to slow the economy down, I think, is also uh, pretty questionable. Because if you look at most financial condition indexes, the, chief, the, the, the biggest impulse towards restraint really happened last year, uh, not, not right now. So I think that, you know, maybe they have done enough, maybe they haven't. But I think what the reason why markets are hearing this so confidently is he feels very confident the Fed has done a lot. He feels policy is restrictive. And so I think, you know, the market's taking away the notion that he thinks he's done. Uh, and obviously, you know, that depends on how the economy evolves, what happens to inflation, what happens to the labor market. And, this, and the other thing that the market's taking a lot of uh, a positive signal from is he talked about how all these pandem pandemic effects are, 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 are washing out now in a good way. So the labor market is becoming much more imbalanced. Uh, labor force growth has picked up. It's, it's a very benign story about how this is all played out. It's basically a story where the Fed really hasn't had to do that much to bring inflation down. And the Fed basically is saying, we don't think we're going to have to do much more from here. Chair Powell also didn't seem to think that there was any casualty in pausing, letting time go on, and then restarting rate hikes. He said that that wasn't problematic at all. Do you disagree? Obviously, if it turns out that they, they, they need to do more, they're probably going to have to do more than just one quarter point move. You know, if you've taken a break for, let's say, six months and the evidence accumulates that monetary policy is not as tight as you think it is and inflation expectations are starting to become unanchored, labor market's not loosening, wages are stuck at, you know, four and a half percent, then it's unlikely that one quarter point move is going to be sufficient to do the job. So I think it's either zero or multiple rate hikes which is the reason why I, I, probably some people are looking at this like yourself and saying they could be on the brink of an error. There was a question about how financial conditions really played into the Fed's decision, whether higher yields were doing their work. He had some nuance around this, talking about a sustained move higher. Take a listen to Chair Powell speaking on the issue. Persistent changes in broader financial conditions can have implications for the path of monetary policy. In this case, the tighter financial conditions we're seeing from higher long-term rates, but also from other sources like the stronger dollar and, and lower equity prices could matter for future rate decisions. With financial conditions, we're looking for persistent changes that are material. Bill Dudley, from your vantage point, does this give any clarity as to how the Fed is counting yields in their uh, picture of what restrictive really looks like? 
Well, I think I agree with him that persistence is what matters. I mean, if bond yields go up for a week or two and then come right back down, that's not going to exert much restraint on the economy. You know, one problem I think the chairman has at this point is by talking to the markets in a sort of supportive way, uh, stocks rally, bond yields fall, that's loosening financial conditions. And so that's removing some of the restraint uh, that was creating some uh, impetus for not tightening monetary policy further. The heart of the matter to me, Bill, and I don't want to turn this into a Dale Jorgensen's three-ratio course, and Julia Coronado's been brilliant on this as well. So let's listen to Dr. Coronado and Dr. Dudley, folks. And Bill Dudley said, barring unexpectedly fast productivity growth, there seems to be almost a hope and prayer, Bill Dudley, that this time is different, and instantly we have a new elevated productivity. Do you see any signal of this in post-pandemic America? I think it's really too soon to make any decisions about productivity at all. Productivity growth took a real hit during the pandemic, and then it picked up as we reopened. Uh, the, what, what, what the trend is at this point is very, very uncertain. And, and you notice that Chair Powell did not talk about productivity yes. growth as that trend trend changing. What he talked about was the labor force growth had picked up a lot because labor force participation uh, among you know adult workers has, has climbed a lot, and immigration right. had picked up. So he saw so he saw that as a positive supply side uh, surprise. Uh, but I don't think that the Fed or or, yeah. or, or or I, for that matter, think that there's a productivity growth miracle right around the corner. Bill Dudley, it's Wednesday. We're going to a jobs report on Friday. Let's go back to Dudley and McKelvey at Goldman Sachs a few years ago. What's an appropriate non-farm payroll statistic, not on Friday, but say three-month moving average out, where you can say all clear and finally we have a labor economy settling down? Is it sub 100,000? Yeah, it's probably in that in that ballpark. I mean, as Chair Paul said, we are getting a surge in labor force this year, but I think he also expects that that will peter out over time, and then you're just stuck with the growth rate of the working age population, uh, which is probably only growing at about a half a percent a year, and so that's that's consistent with payroll gains of maybe a hundred thousand a month or even a little bit less. So I think that eventually the Fed needs to bring payroll growth below a hundred thousand if they're going to generate enough slack in the labor market to bring wage inflation down to levels. Uh, consistent with 2% inflation. Given the volatility that we've seen in the bond market, Bill, how concerned are you about a real blowback on Friday? Should we get a jobs report that comes in materially hotter than expected and we continue to see those upside surprises that you say may pose the biggest risk? Well, I'm, I personally would not put too much attention on any one given uh, economic release at this point because the Fed has basically said we're, we are patient now. And so one uh, economic report is not going to change their thinking. It's only an accumulation of evidence that suggests the policy is not sufficiently restrictive to do the job, which will cause the Fed to start to tighten monetary policy again. So I think we need to you know, maybe downplay any single report at this point. Uh, it's going to take an accumulation of evidence for the Fed to decide that they need to do more on monetary policy. Bill Dudley, thank you so much. Greatly, greatly appreciate it this morning, folks. I'll send out the essay across all my social here. His op-ed is really must-read. Some really good writing just in the last 24 hours from a number of uh, people within the zeitgeist. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising healthcare costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. 
Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. I need to do a market check here because this is an historic move. Uh, see, I'm going to be as quick as I can, Lisa, as you go to Michael McKee. The Dow up 258 points heading towards a 1% lift. I got a 1% lift. S&P 500 up a solid 47 points. NASDAQ 100 on fire up 1.7%. That into Apple earnings tomorrow, uh, Lisa, I should point out. 10-year yield, 18 basis points. Ah, modest uh, move as well. And the real yield, Lisa, craters. 2.50% after my first glass of Tang this morning. And we are down 16 basis points on the inflation-adjusted yield. The operative word, folks, is never. I don't think I've ever seen that. It has been a pretty significant move <clears throat> and continues uh, to be as the session grows older. Let's check back in with our own Michael McKee, who is in the room in Washington, D.C. Mike, do you think the Fed would be disappointed to see the market's reaction to Fed Chair Jay Powell's press conference. I'm not disappointed in that sense. Uh, clearly, if we continue to see this kind of drop in yields, it's going to take some of that market pressure off of the uh, economy and the Fed sort of goes backwards a little bit, but I don't think they are counting on the markets being tight for a long time to completely do their job for them. Because as you mentioned just a moment ago, if you get a, a blowout number on Friday, then everybody's going to reverse. I think the takeaway here is that uh, the Fed would like to be done, or at least at peak, and switch to the idea of uh, how long, but they can't be sure yet. And I think the analogy I would use is the, uh, the Fed chairman is Potter Stewart at this point, the uh, former Supreme Court justice who said that he could not define pornography, but he knew it when he sees it. Uh, at this point, the Fed can't define what sufficiently tight is, but meeting by meeting, they will decide what they see. So you kind of throw out the dot plot, which is uh, what I was getting at with my question yeah. to him. Uh, the markets can't predict anymore what the Fed is going to do. They have to go into every meeting trying to assess what the Fed will think about conditions at the time rather than some right. sort of objective data release. And Mike McKee, in your tenure, back to Arthur Burns, you were a young buck there with Arthur Burns a few years ago. Have you ever seen a Fed working away from theory, away from the orthodox? They seem to be literally, as you and Steve Leisman alluded to, making it up meeting to meeting. Yeah, I mean, orthodoxy changes, obviously, and uh, the time from Burns to Greenspan, it changed quite a bit. And uh, it, it's still uh, a Fed truism that the inflation is kind of the key to everything. But uh, they don't know what's going on. The models don't work or haven't worked coming out of the pandemic. It's all something new. So they are doing their best to try to figure out what's going on without using some of the history-based models and, uh, and uh, previous um, outcomes that they would have had to uh, to use in the past. And this will engender a lot of rewrites of monetary policy thinking, I'm sure, going down the road. Just to sum this all up, is strategically patient the new sufficiently restrictive? 
I saw that <laughs> comment, and I, I think it is uh, it, it, it sums it up pretty well. Um, they are going to be patient. They're going to have to have a good reason to do whatever, oh, whether it's man. cutting rates, raising rates. Uh, they will not have to have a good reason to just leave rates where they are. They can just go with the economy as they see it. Michael McKee, thank you, and wonderful question, as always. Were, strategically patient. Were you strategically patient last night at 9 p.m.? Absolutely with the not. No, Halloween? I was not. Absolutely. Uh, with the I, sugar highs, et cetera. But this, to me, really highlights uh, what, I, what they're saying. And then you put the stock chart and you put the bond chart next to it and you hear what the bond market is hearing. Just want to point this out to your yields. 4.93% getting close to crossing that threshold into the 4.92. Now it's bouncing around, but just highlights what a massive move we've seen on the front end. Massive is defined by the pros, folks. And we welcome all of you not part of Global Wall Street. People look at this strange phrase standard deviation and all you need to know is you look back 20 days 40 days whatever 20 weeks and you try to figure out how much have we moved off the center trend jeffrey rosenberg of blackrock knows we've seen a standard deviation move he is with their systematic multi-strategy fund oh i can see you in the classroom as a freshman at carnegie mellon jeff rosenberg going what in god's name is standard deviation did we get a jump condition today jeff rosenberg towards a less restrictive fed well, as Lisa pointed out earlier, there's a, there's a lot of data coming out today. And so parsing out the reaction from the Fed versus the earlier, you know, kind of main event behind the Treasury refunding uh, is, is a little bit tricky. But I, I would highlight that the main kind of differentiation is really the reaction in the front end of the curve, right? From the refunding announcement, that was really the back end, as Lisa highlighted, a little bit of the weaker data on PMIs also hurt, helping the back end rally. But the Fed market reaction was really in the front end. So I think, Powell, you want to look at the statement and you want to look at the opening to the press conference. That's what they intended to say versus what the market interpreted from the Q&A. What they intended to say was to try to be balanced. Resiliency on economic growth implies we need to stay tight, maybe do one more against the tightening of financial conditions, which implies maybe we've we've done enough. That's what they were hoping to say. Clearly what the market saw was a a preference for the worry of tightening financial conditions. We're at sufficiently restrictive. We can be done. And so you price out the little bit of probability for for the next hike. That's the market reaction. As you went over in the earlier segment with, with, with Dudley, you know, it remains to be seen. The data will dictate that. Uh, but certainly to your question, Tom, big reaction. I think a lot more of that standard deviation move has to do with refunding earlier. A mm-hmm. little bit coming out of this press conference. Well, how do you play this then, Jeff? If you think that the market is reading way too much into what Jay Powell said, which was trying to stick close to the script, although perhaps giving a different tone than people thought of, do you then sell to your notes and wait for them? for yields to go back up, for them to cheapen and buy them back? Well, you know, I think it's less a question about selling the two-year note now. I think given the pricing and given the, the, the data that we have that Powell referred to, two more inflation prints, two more labor prints, and what Dudley was just hinting at, you know, are we really seeing the degree of tightness, the degree of sufficiently restrictive, given the, the trajectory of growth that we just came off of? 
obviously no one expects that to persist. But the risk there is that you're not pricing enough of the possibility of another hike. And so maybe you hold off on adding twos from, from at, at these levels. Yeah, Jeff, from where you sit at BlackRock, and I understand there's an index play here, but there's some active management and you're watching everybody else in the game. What's the bet of the market right now? Is the bet that we're going to get this Fed done in a more dovish, less restrictive tone? Or is the bet, hey, we're scared stiff and we may move higher? Well, I mean, you have a num- you have a couple of different cross currents on there. You know, obviously, there's been a, a lot of talk about uh, movement into the long end, movement of of retail flows, buying the long end. That's yeah. very much kind of we're 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 at or close to the end, and we're going back to the old playbook that. Uh, you know, once the Fed is done tightening, then you get a big rally. I think I think you got to be a little bit cautious about we're just simply going back to the old playbook. But certainly, you know, there's a degree of that in the market. And then the other really big kind of consensus story is around the steepness of the curve, that the curve is just way too inverted, that you need to see normalization of the curve, all <laughs> the factors around that. You know, the refunding was a little bit of, of that, that that kicked in post the August refunding announcement. Uh, Japan and the new News on the BOJ and yield curve right, control, right. Uh, you know, deficit financing. There's a litany of lists, but there's a very yeah. popular positioning around the steepening. And I think the reaction to the refunding earlier today really reflects that very crowded steepening yeah. position that that uh, exacerbates that standard deviation move that we saw earlier. Today. Jeff, I want to go full circle to where Lisa and I were early this morning. Folks, we've been live since 2 a.m. this morning. It's really, you know, you know, quite something. And Jeff, it's about the commercial banking system of America, which the chairman alluded to maybe a little bit and maybe not enough uh, for my taste. Can we get a bond market that heals to take those bond losses and drift them away into 2025, where things can even get better if we don't get a massive bond move, but just enough of a bond move? Is that really the strategy here? No, and and you you did hear that question. It was probably one of the few questions uh, on that on that topic. I mean, this is a historic move in terms of interest rates. So you know, even if you get a, a, a modest kind of cut in interest rates that the bond market in the second half of 2024 is anticipating, uh, that's nowhere near enough to kind of unwind the unrealized losses that you're talking about from this historic move from zero to five. So that's really about a long-term story of repairing capital and dealing with those issues within within the banking system, that if you you kind of repair the funding concerns, and that was what the bank term funding question was referring to, then maybe that doesn't become a crisis moment, but it's still becomes kind of a longer term drag in terms of capital repair that even a, a small rally is, is is anticipated in the bond market pricing for 2024 isn't going to be sufficient to repair. Jeff, you talked about positioning and I want to go there because a lot of people are saying short squeeze. This is a positioning squeeze. And we've been hearing well that said. a lot. Yes. How yes. much is levered funds that have come into the Treasury market? How much is that what's underpinning some of the incredible volatility that we've seen over recent weeks? Well, you know, that's it's a tough one to sort of pin it on 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 leverage. You, you know, th- there's a lot of drivers to that volatility and to that uncertainty. Uh, you know, 
positioning and crowded positioning exacerbates those moves. And that's that can be levered. It can be unlevered. Uh, it can be just asset managers who favor well, uh, particular I, positions. I don't mean to interrupt, Sorry, Jeff, but there's a difference between real money investors who are making a long term bet on treasuries and people who are fast positioning, trying to make a trade. Or is the market right now being determined by the trading types, not by the real money? I mean, in short-term reactions, absolutely, right? Leverage is going to exacerbate reactions to price movements. Um, so I think it's really about, you know, decoupling. And you said it earlier, you know, the, the near-term reaction isn't always to any data point, whether we're talking about the press conference or on Friday to payroll or CPI. That near-term move, yes, that's going to be dictated by algos. It's going to be dictated soon by AI. It's going to be dictated by the levered positions and crowded positioning. But let's separate that from kind of the longer-run impact of the fundamental signaling. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, you can have the near-term reaction, and then a day later or two days later, you know, it's a very different trend as as we parse the the totality of the data. But certainly, yeah. very short-term price reactions are going to be driven. By those levered factors. Jeff Rosenberg, thank you so much, as always, for your comments on this incredibly important day. It was supposed to be a snooze fest. It was not, absolutely, no, certainly, by the reaction. It, it wasn't into it wasn't either because yeah. of the refunding uh, announcement as well as some of the economic <clears throat> data. But really, what we are seeing is a market coalescing around the idea for now that the Fed is right. done with rate hikes for this cycle. And this is completely outside left field, but I guess it's stay tuned for Bloomberg in Asia and what Yvonne Mann will lead uh, with at 6, 7, 8 p.m. as well. If you get a market like this in the West, if you get this joy to the world, is this the moment where the Bank of Japan can slide in and do something constructively about their busted theory? A little editorializing. <laughs> We'll blink. I'm sorry, folks. I had to go there. <laughs> we'll blink if you miss it. Subscribe to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Listen live every weekday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can watch us live on Bloomberg Television and always on the Bloomberg Terminal. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisa Abramowitz, and this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.